The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. That is the theme tune from what I would argue is one of the finest UK TV programmes uh, ever made. Cracker, starring Robbie Coltrane. With us is the host of Screen Time on News Talk, John Fardy. And there is a general principle, which is that John and I never agree on anything. Tell me you agree on that. Uh, what, what this is one of the best UK TV shows and Robbie Coltrane was phenomenal in it. Robbie Coltrane, of course, who we discovered yesterday uh, or discovered today, died yesterday around yes. uh, mid-afternoon, 72 years of age. Yeah, I, we're, we are in complete agreement. I actually think Cracker might be the best British TV show of all time. Cracker changed TV. Like, I'm not sure, and this is a bold statement, if shows like The Sopranos and Breaking Bad, I'm not saying they wouldn't have happened, but what people celebrated shows like Breaking Bad and The Sopranos because they did this thing where where episodes would bleed into each other and there would be storylines from the first series into the second. Cracker was doing that in the early 90s. Uh, and Cracker gave us the kind of Tony Soprano anti-hero played so beautifully by Robbie Coltrane. Exactly. This idea of we have this character but he's deeply broken and flawed and yet we love him all the more for it. In a way it's hard to find another example before Cracker in TV of that. And some of those Cracker in, in case people don't know Robbie Coltrane I need to call him Robbie Carlyle who very much alive by the way and but, was very good in Cracker yes. as well well that's what I was going to get to in case you didn't know uh, Robbie Coltrane plays or played God bless him this forensic psychologist who was brilliant at analysing what people's motivations were particularly dark people but he was broken himself he was a gambler he was a drinker a little too comfortable outside the wedding bed let's say and he would come up against these psychopaths in one episode played brilliantly by the aforementioned Robbie Carlyle and just while away at them and say stuff to them that would take them completely off guard and get right down with their demons. And there are some episodes in that like the one with Robbie Carlyle which was this deep dive into kind of the trauma of of Hillsborough and stuff, there was a famous episode, and perhaps famous is the wrong word, that dealt with rape. And these have become kind of, you know, pieces of TV that will never be forgotten and change TV. But they were also a remarkable choice for Robbie Coltrane, Mm. because Robbie Coltrane was seen as this warm, affable, almost comic figure. And to take this role and to make it so defined by the way he played it. Yeah, well, you see, his background was kind of, he started out life wanting to be an artist and then apparently went to his own exhibition and said, this isn't good as a student and got into comedy. And you remember comic strip in the 80s and Alexi Sale and people like that. He was part of the alternative comedy scene, kind of, you know, Thatcher out and all that kind of stuff. And then, but he realised he was getting a lot of attention for his straight acting. But he was that kind of jolly, avuncular character. So this was a big move for him. And Jimmy McGovern who wrote Cracker and is a a scouser and a a TV writing genius who says it's all just about stories. Don't give me any of this Beckett narrative nonsense. Write a good story. He's a great guy. But he didn't want Robbie Coltrane and they talked him into it and he was like it was the best mistake I didn't make in TV because it changed everything. He he was brilliant in in, in it. We have a clip of uh, Robbie Coltrane in Cracker. They call me Fitz. What do they call you? I don't know. Bloodthirsty, murdering bastard. Remember filling this in? Yeah. Who's the British Prime Minister? I don't know. I had to guess. You guessed wrong. I gave you three choices you guessed wrong. Sorry. That's understandable. 
President of the United States again, three choices, you got it wrong. I'm sorry. It's understandable, really. The leader of the Labour Party, three choices got it wrong. The standard rate of income tax, three choices got it wrong. The Chancellor of the Exchequer, the manager of the England football team, the author of Catch-22, the capital of Sweden, all wrong. And of course, then he goes on to say statistically the chances of yes. that were and therefore... You do know that show very well then. Oh, I loved it. I mean, I think there's there's one line where he's he's on a... I think it's on a train and somebody says to him, why do you drink so much Fitz? He says, I like it. Yeah. Why do you smoke so... I like it. Why do you gamble? I like it. Like there is just a... Yeah. He, he, he totally adopts his own demons and, and lives in them. His wife, his long-suffering wife got him to go to a, a gambling uh, anonymous meeting and I don't want to make light of this but it is a very funny scene he goes to it just to please her but then ends up getting the guys betting down the back of it I mean we TV had never seen anything like this before you know now here's the thing with Robbie Coltrane yes. that I think is interesting you would think that he would then become typecast by mm. a role like that but one of the other programs that I enjoyed immensely that he did before the, the, he became uh, big in association with Harry Potter yeah. he did a thing called Coltrane's Planes and yeah. Automobiles where he effectively went and worked on engines around the world Yeah I, I thought this might be up your alley do you know that he single handedly removed an engine from a tra- Trabant that those German cars in 23 minutes like took an engine out with his well I presume he had tools but took it out himself he was know? a good mechanic and engineer yeah, by by all accounts and that wasn't his background as I said it was art and that's actually I was watching some YouTube clips of that he was very good at that kind of wow staring at engines I knew that it would be up your alley you know but it, it, man he had goes that... weak in presence of engine <laughs> <laughs> but he literally did there are those who do those shows where you say well okay they're doing yeah. it for the sake of the show but there's there's a couple of scenes in that where I think he gets in near the uh, you know a several thousand litre diesel ship engine yeah and it's just awe. It's like watching <laughs> yeah. an architect walk into a cathedral. Yeah. He is just in love with the engineering. Yeah, no, he, he was brilliant at, at that kind of thing. You know, he had some Hollywood, so before we even get to Harry Potter, but like he was in The Pope Must Die. Do you remember that? There was a, there was flirtations with Hollywood and they saw him as this quite avuncular, jolly, large man. And that no was... No on the run with Eric Idle as well. No on the run, of course, yeah. And he was that, that kind of bumbling English man. So he, he played with that a bit. He was in James Bond, Goldeneye, uh, playing a Russian uh, KGB agent, if memory serves. But his size is interesting. You know, in an era of, you know, the monotone of size almost where everyone's wrongly attempting to look the same way for the large part, particularly in Hollywood, he embraced his large frame and and worked with it and saw it as an asset all his life that it wasn't something to be you know, uh, explained away or whatever. It worked for him. And, and and those roles, and we get to Hagrid, it really worked for him because even though he was a tall man, they added a, a certain level to him and it was eight foot, nine inches. Uh, so even he was on stilts for that. And that role is, it was gorgeous. I don't know how well you're down with the Harry Potter, you know, mythology and all, but it's big in our house. And Hagrid is basically Harry's great defender and you know Robbie Coltrane himself said you know in a way that's what we all want as a kid we want a giant who's kind and friendly who will defend us till the ends of the earth you know and he was the, he was perfect casting for that 
I assume for a generation that defines him there will be people yeah. who will have no sense of because again if you grew up with Cracker to me it's always yeah. God didn't he do well in the Harry Potter thing after Cracker <laughs> but the vast majority of people that is the defining role for him Absolutely and my 10 year old was talking to me last night and I was telling him about this and he was saying Hagrid yeah and I was trying to tell him about Cracker but then he was asking me what a clinical psychologist was so it was getting weird so we moved on yes Harry Potter is what it will be all about for kids and he was brilliant in it he was absolutely brilliant in it. and he you know and I not to speak ill of the dead but he could be prickly in interviews he, uh, he really could and, and he didn't like a lot of journalists and you know I, I read a few of them of them last night and they were some were quite guarded talking to him but he went back to the Harry Potter 20 year anniversary that was around last year and he really engaged with it and he clearly and Daniel Radcliffe has said as much when everyone started on that he he was an adult obviously and the kids were eight nine and all and by all accounts he was just delightful to them and minded them you know there's a lovely line in the in the movie Misery where the uh, elderly sheriff and his wife and the wife is constantly undermining and sniping at him yes. and he has a line where he says well there's that spice again there's <laughs> yeah. something there's a lot to be said for somebody who has a little bit of that spice there's Absolutely. a little bit of edge is a good thing and you know yourself interviewing someone walk you know interviews can you know we can deal in cliches you know tell us about the book and all <laughs> going in as as you're to interview someone Someone who has a bit of spice in them can make for great radio or TV or whatever. Uh, by the way, I'm, a, I'm a allowed to say who's coming up on screen time soon. Very much so. You are. You have the one and only Colin Farrell. I'm off to about 20 minutes after this. Hopefully, I'm going to meet him and Brendan Gleeson and Martin McDonough. That's next week. This week, Paul Feig, the director of Bridesmaids, is on, and he's great crap. He is a gentleman. Yes. He was also the man responsible for the terrible Ghostbusters reboot, which we will not speak of, but yeah. nonetheless, and a very interesting, very funny man, and also guy. did a couple of cameos in some and all sorts of things. He he, actually, he created Freaks and Geeks but he has a new thing I call this A School for Good and Evil which is great but he gave me or he gave the world I think a very underrated Christmas movie which people hate but I think is great called Last Christmas all about Christmas around George Michael songs I love it bit of a guilty pleasure but people hated it What time? As you well know, it will be on the radio tonight at 6pm, but currently available as a podcast. John Fardy, uh, host of Screen Time on the radio this evening at 6pm. Thank you so much. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at 9 on News Talk.